I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today I'm talking to Darren Overstreet about his new website, biblicallyresilient.com. In this episode, Darren talks about why he started his podcast, how to avoid extremes when it comes to doctrine, how to avoid political traps when it comes to what you believe, how to talk about hot topics without getting emotional, how to find your way spiritually when there are many teachers pointing in different directions. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Darren, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Good to see you, Rob. So you started a new website called biblicallyresilient.com. Now, why why is that? Well, um, as you know, we've talked about this before. I wrote a book... Um, about a year and a half ago called wildfire, which just explained some of the dynamics theologically that, that make up something called progressive theology. And, um, essentially it it talks about how secular ideas can come into the church, uh, sometimes without us even knowing them and confuse ideas of truth. So over time, if we're not careful, uh, secular ideas can end up influencing our notions of truth even more than scripture. Uh, so I know, I know a lot of people will have seen that. So as I've spoken to people on the subject in a wide variety of places and, and actually a wide variety of audiences, um, it's become clear that people really want more help navigating culture biblically. Um, I would say, Rob, that they actually are craving it. Um, they're immersed in culture and they really want direction on this. So uh, I will say this with many, many church leaders are are hesitant to really dive into the hot topics. I'm a church leader. I lead the church here in Tampa. And um, I, I just want to say, I get it. A lot of our members want us to dive into the things that they are experiencing in the world, but a lot of, a lot of, a lot of leaders don't. Uh, a lot of young people do for sure. That's the the group that I am am hearing from the most. And I just want to say I get it with with church leaders. Um, it's not like you wake up every morning and go, I just cannot wait to engage all the tricky topics in society. <laughs> <laughs> but um, honestly, people want to know: Is the Bible still timeless? Is it powerful in each generation? Does it still have relevance and truth? And they're asking questions like, how do I navigate the things I'm experiencing at my job? How do I, how do I navigate it when I'm told uh, I, I really need to use pronouns or my kids are coming home from school with questions that, that actually um, go against our Christian notion of truth? How do I raise them? How do I, how do I talk about it? I talked to one guy when I was speaking that said, uh, my boss walks into my office and said, I need to march in this parade and it goes against my Christian values. What do I do with that? So um, it's, 
it's this website is a place that will help provide some resources for stuff like that. And the other reason I started it or we started it, this is a, again, it's a, um, it's the fruit of, of the talks that I've been having with people, but you know, and I know you and I have talked about this before, but there over the last 30 to 40 years, and not just since COVID, but over the last few decades, there's been a growing concern among mental health professionals uh, that there we are seeing a, a giant decrease in people's mental health, especially young people. Um, they're becoming, as best way to say it is, they're becoming less resilient. Um, I have an article on the website about just the idea of what it means to be biblically resilient. And what I'm trying to do is capitalize on the prevailing conversation and culture. Uh, the word resilient is out there because people know that the, the ideas of truth and ideas of identity, <clears throat> ideas around righteousness and sin, all those things that the world is just bombarding us with, it's not creating emotionally strong people and what it's creating is is people who um are very fragile it's creating people who are are more insecure not not less it's creating people who see trauma in all disappointments trauma is a very real thing but they're sending, tending to see trauma in all disappointments and they're just less equipped to bounce back um from the disappointments in life so we, as I prayed about this and, and we've prayed about this, the people that I work with, um, we see this conversation in society as a good conversation partner. This is time. This is the time when Christians shine because the God we serve knows that it teaches us in scripture that true emotional resilience does not come from the wisdom of man. It comes from, uh, it comes from the mind of God, and it comes from Scripture. It comes from who who God says we are, not the world. If 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 your listeners want to read a really good book about this, it's called The Coddling of the American Mind. And um, these two guys, I think it's Hate and um, I can't remember the other guy's name. It's a really a hype height and uh, Lokanov. They do a really good job saying that the. The wisdom of our culture is actually coaching people into cognitive distortions. But what the Bible does is it gives you a script for life that, that is so far above the wisdom of man. Um, it's the only real true script for building the kind of emotional res resilience that we all crave. So mm -hmm. we started it um, based on those ideas. People are craving to be equipped and they also know uh, that we need to to build a more resilient generation than the world is kind of creating. So those are the those were the couple of the main ideas. Mm -hmm. I love that book, Coddling of the American Mind. It was it was so refreshing. And I talked to gave an illustration of uh, a college campus, and there were a group of students. There was a, a controversial speaker coming on campus, and a group of students asked for protection from the administration because. The, the thought ideas that the speaker was presenting were against the cultural norm of the area, and the, the students were unprepared to handle it. They literally asked for protection in an environment that traditionally has been one of free speech. You know, let's, let's yeah. entertain all ideas. So I thought that was a very, 
very good book revealing where things are at. What kind of response are you getting from your from from what you're doing here? Not only you know the response, not only your website, but also your book. What are you getting a like? Who, who's responding, and what 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 are the most common things that you're getting? Wow. Um, well, to both the website's only been live for a few weeks, but to both the book and the website, it's been overwhelmingly positive. You know, Rob, I know you've read the book. Uh, I know I've gotten a lot of feedback from people on the book. I really believe it's written. It's it it tackles the tough topics, but it's written in a respectful way, which I think we should be with each other. It's written in a way that presents my opinions about these things, but I think is is um, respects other opinions. But what I've heard as a church leader and as someone who's really addressing topics that our members. And our ministers, too, I, I leave them out, but boy, Barn has got some good stuff that is showing us that the number one complaint, or maybe not complaint, but the number one thing that ministers are feeling today is that they're not equipped to, to feel these kind of conversations. They're not equipped to navigate this stuff. We've seen a bigger exit from the ministry in the last three years than any other time in my lifetime. And a lot of it has to do with they're not equipped. So I'm hearing things like, thank you for, for talking about this. Thank you for um, putting words to the way I'm feeling. Thank you for naming something that I can't seem to quite put my finger on. And I, I think, and that's how I was feeling. That's how a lot of people are feeling, especially parents. Mm -hmm. um, it is a very tricky thing to raise your kids. And I think they're very grateful that we're, at least talking about this and naming the kind of things that their kids are navigating. So right. it's been really positive, lots of questions, lots of, hey, are you going to do any webinars? Um, what about this resource? What about that? I actually received an email two days ago from someone uh, in Africa who said, I, I'm not sure you know this, but we're dealing with this kind of stuff over there. Please let me know when a webinar happens because I want some training. So just just people, what I'm experiencing is people are hungry for this to be talked about in a way that stands above the rhetoric of the world. You can either see this as a super negative thing. Let's just avoid culture, which we know we can't do as Christians, or <clears throat> let's just totally ignore it. Um, what we'd rather do is, or well, or the other, I guess the other extreme is totally jump into it. And buy into all the ideas. There's a better way, though, and that is, that is to really use the Bible to to um, to help take the ideas that we're hearing in society to the best of our ability to filter them and actually equip people. Because I'm a church leader, the 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 biggest job I have um, is to equip my people for a faithful Christian life in this world. So mm -hmm. I'm hearing more along the lines of. Uh, please more of that, please more practicals, please more conversation about it. It's been encouraging. That's great. You did a great job at the CLIMB conference in, in your lesson, and I'm so happy well, that you. Uh, you came out and spoke. I really appreciated that. One of the things that impacted me is you talked about navigating kind of the middle of the road, trying to, trying to not go to extremes. And so that I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. How do you stay orthodox in your teaching 
without becoming dead in your doctrine? How do you, how do you kind of just not become weird in either direction? Wow. There's a, there's a title for a book. Um, and <clears throat> not to become, if in fact, there was a church in Seattle. It makes me think there was a church in Seattle that had a, a motto. We avoid weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? This is a great question. And as I explained at the climb conference, here's the way I think about that. And maybe this is a book too, but it's avoid driving into a ditch. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that, um, is the Christian life. A friend of mine put it like this. The Christian life really is us driving down a road, trying to do our best, trying to stay on the road. And there's ditches on both sides. Um, there was a, there was a, a road that I grew in a town I grew up in called Double Ditch. And <laughs> there literally was a deep ditch on both sides. So here's the analogy. Don't drive into the ditch on the right side because the right side ditch uh, is rigid and inflexible legalism. There's one way to do everything. There's, there's, you could be certain about everything. So that's the, that's not a good ditch. Uh, but then when you correct, which we always do in our driving, you can drive to the left ditch, which is open the doors of the church to any idea that sound good, biblical, or relevant. So let me just say a couple things about those ditches, because this is this is such a good question that you've asked. Um, the ditch on the right side, Rob, I think tends to see, that hermeneutic tends to see the Bible in a very scientific, wooden, as theologians would call it, rigid way. Um, Bible's super clear on everything. Do it. Put your head down. Don't ask questions. And just go. And what that hermeneutic tends to do, which is very dangerous, is it tends to oversimplify the truths in the Bible that are ambiguous and mysterious. And they're in there. Over time, it leads to legalism. It leads to a dry Christian life. It leads to frustration, especially if things don't go as planned. I mean, that that hermeneutic says, do what the Bible says and things are going to be work out great. <laughs> and as you know, um, it doesn't always do that. Right. So then what do you do? Did I do the Bible right? Am I not doing it enough? It leads to this, this grind. It's not inspiring. And it also, that can till the soil for dangerous ideas because people are so hungry. But then the other side has a ditch that's that's just as dangerous, and that is um, teach the Bible in a very open-ended way. It's it there's nothing you can really learn that's certain in there. It's all about the questions we ask. It's all open. Uh, open doors never close them. Um, they those those theologians tend to see the Bible as a gift of wisdom to us, but it's so old and so ambiguous that it's not really practical for truth today. Your truth is something you do as you just read it and kind of figure it out. So open open doors are always preferred. Um, and that hermeneutic, while there's a lot of truth in that, that hermeneutic uh, can really soften messages that that aren't ours to soften. What they tend to do is soften things like sin and righteousness. Um, they tend to, to tell us distortions about where we come from and who we are. Um, it tends to downplay repentance. Um, it makes, it makes humans nicer than God. 
And the other one makes humans probably meaner than God. <laughs> this one makes this one makes people nicer than God. But you're right. We need a middle of the road hermeneutic. So here's what that looks like to me. The Bible is God's word. It's authoritative. Mm -hmm. It's true in each generation. It doesn't need help from the wisdom of man. Let's leave that alone, right? But if there are moral issues in the Bible that are clear, preach them clearly. Um, don't mess them. Don't mess with it. Don't be afraid to preach them clearly. I have an article on my site about the need for clear preaching right now. On the other hand, if there's ambiguity, if there's room for creativity, if there's room for more than one thought on something, treat it that way. And and let's be in awe of the mystery in the Bible that we can't understand. So I think I think if we hold that tension together, uh, we don't soften the hard edges that God says these need to be hard. But we also don't um, we also don't close the door or just demand that we know about something that that quite frankly is by nature a little mysterious in the Bible. I mean. The Bible is pretty amazing, but we always we can't always just come to this one conclusion. I think there's there's value in approaching it that way. That's the responsible hermeneutic that I'm trying to live out, and then I think we should be preaching about. But but what I find is that in today's cancel culture, because it is, it really is, two groups or a few groups. If you don't conform to my ideas, we'll cancel you. Preachers are tending to just stay uh, really vague about things that the Bible doesn't want us to be vague about. Right. And we got to have the courage to say, no, this is really clear in Scripture. <laughs> but also the humility to say this isn't. And that's that's the middle of the road hermeneutic that I think keeps the Bible powerful and really needed in my life for sin and righteousness, but also inspiring. Because I'm always plumbing the depths of it to see to discover new things that I don't, I, I didn't know. So that's, that's how I would answer that. In dealing with extremes, how do you avoid political extremes? Let's say, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, which, which ones? How do you avoid political extremes? Because it's so easy to, when we start talking about these issues of religion, doctrine, teaching, right and wrong, Political parties have taken particular stances and people get, they hitch their wagon to a particular political party or view. And so it, there's like guilt by association. Like if you have a conservative view of the Bible in America, you're a Republican, you're red, you're a Trump lover. If you have a more moderate view, a more liberal view, you are blue, you're Democrat, you're a, you're a Biden lover, yeah. you are a liberal, and it's it just is such a trap. I want to want to talk to you about, you know, how do you avoid that kind of guilt by association and remain above the fray, so to speak? Yes. Um I think I think number one, we just need to name it like you just named it. If we could just be honest in the church and say, look, there's people that are on either side. Um, stop saying things like, 
you know, how can you be a Christian and be a Democrat? Or how can you be a Christian and be a Republican? How can you actually be a Christian and vote for Trump or Biden? We, we, we present these arguments that are so, you know, in a, in a, in an age that doesn't want certainty, the irony is we present arguments in such certain terms that we completely <laughs> dismiss the other side. In my, in my book, I write about the idea that we probably just need to get better at disagreeing with each other. <laughs> um, there's a really good book that my, my wife is reading right now, and I haven't read it yet, but it's called Mama Bear Apologetics. How to really teach your kids how to stand for truth in a hostile world. And she says something that I've heard before that is really golden. And that is, um, before you dismiss anybody's point of view, you should understand, seek to understand it. And you should, you should actually look for some truth in it. Um, you know, there is truth in all or most secular ideas. It's just not the truth. So I think we can get better at those exercises in the church. That's why we actually, I want to say something about this in a minute, but that's actually why we need to be involved in a local church, because we are around people that think differently than us. And you know who else has a good thought about this is Sean McDowell. He's um, He has a website called Think Biblically, and he talks about, in a book that I just finished, which I really like, it's on deconstruction, and it's called Set Adrift. And um, I'll be writing some thoughts from that book on my website. But he puts it really well. He says, look, every person is a combination of a value system. Experiences, your family of origin, things you grew up with. If you grew up in a blue household, chances are you think blue. Grew up in a red household. <laughs> and of course, those change over time. But but." Our ideas about life are driven by these inherent values. And so before you just dismiss someone's thoughts, try to understand the values they're operating from. Try to understand them. We have a, we have a saying in the Tampa church that if, if, you, if you're just, if you're um, tempted just to disagree with someone based on politics, there's a really simple thing you can do. Have a cup of coffee. What does that mean? Well, sit down with them. Ask them where they're coming from. Ask them why they think that way. Listen to each other. Mm -hmm. And then you can still feel your way, but when you're approaching it relationally in the church and not just geeking out online or on cable news, which is not helpful. <laughs> um, that's the other thing is we are a product <laughs> of what we're watching. And so I think we just need to be in, in humility, lean into each other a little bit, and then here's the key, okay? Decide that at the end of the day, we're all going to be in submission to the scriptures. Right. Um, so you may have your opinions, I, I may have mine, but we're going to wrestle to see what the Bible says the best. And we're going we're both going to to live by that. And but politics, man, dude, we are in we are in for it later this year. Oh, I mean, it's, it's election, election it's year. It's coming. Oh, boy. And so we have to have this conversation. We have to have it in a real sincere way. How do you take it, Darren? I mean, I really like your approach because you you come across as very intellectual, very level-headed, able to talk about 
hot topics without getting emotional, which is, boy, that's really tough. But how do you get, like, how do you take it and how do you deal with it when people come up to you and they, they go after you and they say, oh, Darren's just, you know, he's like Rush Limbaugh back from the dead. He's the reincarnation of Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh is a conservative uh, an radio host here in the States. But how, how do you tackle that where, where people try to pigeonhole you? Are you or you're just a, a spokesman for the Republican Party or you are, you know, this type of person. How, how do you work your way out of that situation? How do you respond? Um, man, you, you, you got good questions. Um, (laughs) so number one, I have to do a lot of interior work and make sure, and this is really important. I think for all of us, I have to make sure that I'm gaining my identity, not from the world, but from what the scriptures say about my life. Um, I've done that other part too much. So if I am too attached to what the world says about me, and this is, Rob, you just mentioned what the youth are asking. Um, I, I, I always tell adults, be careful before you just demand that we talk about these topics a certain way. The youth want a more relational and more nuanced approach to this, and they want it grounded in biblical truth. So the first way is I have to make sure that my mind and my life is discipled by the word of God because I am who God says I am. So if there's someone that thinks they know me and they don't, and they don't have the curiosity to ask, they don't pick up the phone and call, they judge me by something they think I'm saying or they think about me, if I'm not really secure in the Lord, if I'm not really secure in the idea that, look, I, I, I that's not true and I'm sorry, then I am very thin-skinned. If I'm getting... If I'm getting my identity from my own politics or my own need for the praise of men or all that, then I really will take things too personally. Now, I will say this. That's the whole point of being biblically resilient. Because when that's if someone attacks you or accuses you or cancels you or you're disappointed, can you bounce back from that? And I would say we need to if... We are gaining who we are from God's word. What's happening is we're gaining who we are from cable news, from TikTok, from kids aren't even on Facebook anymore, but Instagram. (laughs) And dude, I'm telling you, it's making us so insecure. So the minute someone comes along and says, hey, I don't know that I agree with you, we freak out instead of going, well, tell me more about that. And I don't know that we have to agree, but I sure would love to know what you think about that. We've got to, that's how we bounce back is by, by absorbing God's truth about our life, not societies. That just makes us extremely fragile. So the other thing is I have to go into conversations like that, Rob, knowing that I may not win that person over to my viewpoint. And I just hope they don't expect that I have to be one over to their, their viewpoint, mm-hmm. unless we're talking about real clear core principle Christian things or sin and righteousness, if it's approaches to things like politics or sexual identity or race or things like that, there's a lot of room for us to disagree and still love each other. And I can't control what where they end up in that. I can just control where I end up in that. And I, 
but having said that, it sounds really easy. It's really not. It's <laughs> this is what we're this is why we need each other in the church and why we need to have really robust conversations and yeah. just exhibit downright curiosity about each other. Right. I I agree. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed with your approach. The fact that you're even starting this website, serving churches, not just our churches and the, the ICOC, but just other churches around the world and, and disciples in all, all denominations, it, it tells me something about the state of the church. And it seems like there's, in the past, there was a, a greater homogeneity. There was a greater mm. unity of viewpoint toward the Bible. There was a, right. an assumption, hey, this is where we stand. This is what we believe as a family of churches. This is where we're going. The fact that you're doing this tells me that's no longer the case. So for a person who's a disciple trying to navigate that, for example, when well-known teachers from the pastors are seemingly getting loosey-goosey, in their doctrine or, or saying things that yeah. they used to not say, how do you know if you're on the right track? How do you, how do you make sure that you're going in the right direction? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a really good question. And I do agree with your opening sentiment on that. The, the idea that it's not a homogenous group anymore. Um, I think most churches are like that. Our, ours is, ours, I believe is one of the most diverse churches in America. Um, and so, no, it's not homogenous. Uh, and and when I say homogenous, the... I don't mean racially or or diversity-wise. I'm talking about homogeneity in terms of doctrinal teaching. doctrinal okay. teaching. Well, it, yeah, that is a great question. I I think in any culture, especially ours, it is the question. Um, you know what people forget, Rob, and I get in trouble for saying this, and I'm just not that worried about it. Um, a large part of the books written after Acts, written after the church was founded, address doctrine, sound doctrine, or they refute a heresy, right? Um, that's not to say doctrine's the most important. I'm not, please don't hear that. When people hear that, they go, yeah, this guy, all he thinks about is doctrine. That's not true. But the truth is, it was a huge part of the, the ethos of the New Testament because the minute Jesus left this earth and the church started by humans, <laughs> it immediately left people to get led astray. I mean, for instance, the first three chapters of Revelation, which we all know and love, those, those are letters are killer. Jesus is evaluating and critiquing those churches, not any, what he doesn't evaluate them by is growth. He doesn't say, you know what, Laodicea, <laughs> you were a negative five this, this year. You know what I'm saying? And I'm ashamed of you. He didn't say that. Um, what he says is, you have not, you're becoming like the world. Mm. You have not kept those ideas out. You have gotten twisted. You have been led astray by false teachers. That's what he's really concerned with is being set apart and holy in a really corrupt world. Now, on church growth, I'm convinced it's important, but I'm also convinced in a post-Christian America especially that church growth is a direct byproduct of a 
high view of biblical integrity. But here, you know, specifically though, there's there's two ways I would answer that. How, how do you watch yourself from loosey-goosey teachers? One, be grounded in truth, and two, be grounded in a local community. You know, I think, be grounded in truth. I think of Acts 17, 10 through 12, where Paul goes in and starts preaching the word of the Bereans, and it says that they listened to what Paul said, who was a trained speaker, teacher, theologian, and they examined the scriptures to see if what he said was true. One of the problems we're seeing today is this dangerous combination of realities, and here's what it is. On one, rea one reality is we are the most information-immersed society in history. Mm -hmm. For instance, Rob, I hate to break this to you as a preacher, but I heard <laughs> not long ago, by the time the average Christian shows up on Sunday to listen to you preach that killer lesson you put together, they have heard or watched an average of 12 hours of videos and reels about social stuff, about anything mm. on TikTok and YouTube. They, and then they come and listen to you immersed in information. So we've got that. That's one reality. The other reality is, and this one pains me, is that we are also the most biblically illiterate people to date. Put those two together and see what you got there. Right. Um, so... One one famous author said it this way: Before the heart can be rightly aligned with God, the the heart the the the, uh, the head needs to know the truth about God. So we've got people with a very limited knowledge of truth about God, but they are trying to align their heart with God. And so we need to teach people to examine the scriptures for themselves. If you're led away by astray by a false teacher, shame on that false teacher. But also shame on you for not knowing how to examine what they're saying. But the second part of this answer, I think, is, um, gosh, we got to be grounded in local communities called the church. We have to be grounded. We have to be invested. We have to be involved. Um, more and more, I think we're we're being fed a lie by society, and and even in some Christian circles, that that truth and spiritual growth can can happen in in isolation. Um. We don't need, you know, it's, there's there's something called the great de-churching that's been happening for a while, not just since COVID, but there's a, there can be sin in the church. There can and will be and has been abuse in the church of all types, all churches. There can be hypocrisy, but it's still referred to in the Bible as the place where you can show the world the wisdom of God in an embodied form. Mm. So... And it's also when you're when you're hearing the teachers, it's also where you can come and say, "Hey, uh, talk to your minister, talk to your small group, whatever." Hey, I'm hearing these ideas. What do you guys think about this? I heard this guy, and you can expose that guy's teaching to a whole variety of sources. One guy tells me in my church the other day that that he heard something from a podcaster, brings it into the church, and talks about it in a small group. And he didn't know this, but there were some really strong opinions about that. And one guy said, hey, that's not biblically correct. And I can show you why. And they had a very fruitful conversation about it. So it's hard to be led astray if you're doing this well in community. And let me say this one last thing about podcasters. <laughs> Go easy. Uh, <laughs> Go easy, Darren. No, yeah. <laughs> Look, Rob, you and I, I've known you for a while. When we grew up, the teachers were people 
that, he, that, that were either correct or led people astray were people that stood up in front of the church behind a podium or a music stand with notes and taught us. Right. And maybe we got a cassette recording of it or whatever, but you had to hear these people. But now modern day teachers are podcasters and I love podcasters. You're a podcaster, but there's a couple things you got to realize about podcasters. And I really want to, I really want people to hear this because I get asked this question a lot. Number one, there's no way to know what a podcaster really thinks about the really tough stuff unless they say it. And they're really, they're really hesitant to say it because they're marketing their show. So in other words, Hey, I got a question. Is it really, what do you think about sexual identity? Is it a sin to live the homosexual lifestyle? More often than not, a podcaster will avoid the question by saying, that's a really good question. And we need to have a conversation about that. Well, that's not exactly an answer. Right. Um, but it's but that's what they do because they don't want to alienate anybody. They don't want to alienate groups. They don't want to. So you just have to know podcasters are it's going to be really hard to find where they stand. But here's the thing that podcasters get the benefit of the doubt with. <laughs> they sound inspiring. So we follow them, but we don't really know their deep theology. Think about that for a minute. We cannot be blind sheep with podcasters. Um, the other thing is they're not pastors. There's a pastoral quality to what you and I do in the sense that we we feel responsible for our, for the people in our group. We feel like we need to help them grow. We, we sit with them in their sin. They ask us the tough questions. As a local pastor, I cannot say, you know what? Let's have a conversation about that. I don't know what the truth is. They'll say, what are you talking about? You lead my church. I mean, so pastors are held to a more local uh, accountability than podcasters. Right. Again, I love podcasters, but just do me a favor and e examine what they're saying in light of scripture, expose that to really wise people, do some research before you go, no, 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 this guy, he's, he's, he's right on. Right. Um, so I think if we, if we're grounded in truth and we're always asking questions and examining Hey, I know we should do this on Sunday. You know, I know what that guy says from the pulpit, but I, I really want to investigate that. We're grounding ourselves in truth and we're grounding ourselves in our local community of the church. It's going to be hard to be led astray. We still can. But one last thing about the local church, um, it just popped into my head. Probably the most, probably the most uh, popular innovation these days is house churches. And, I, and actually, I think house churches can be a really great idea. Um, we are we have house churches often here in Tampa. But too often, house churches are formed as a reaction to church. And guess what usually happens? You handpick your house church. <laughs> and because you handpick your house church, it generally is people that totally agree with you. Right. Right. And so how really how helpful is that? Right. I mean, First Corinthians 12 talks about a very diverse body where people need each other, but we need each other's perspectives, which is why I'm grateful. When I go to midweek or church here, I'm worshiping locally with people who agree with me and people who don't. That actually is a good safeguard for 
any of us being led astray because right. we're open to our ideas being challenged and critiqued. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I, I talked to John Porter about this just a few episodes ago, and we talked about it. I talked about how there is that trend towards people reacting, getting hurt, leaving a, an existing church and forming a group with like-minded people, kind of wrapping themselves in bubble wrap, trying to preserve mm. a a peaceful, peaceful situation because they, they came out of a troubled situation, typically relationally. And so they, they, uh, I see that, I see that quite often and it's, it's unfortunate. I totally agree. And I I think what you're saying there about podcasters and and teachers, the, the, the format of a podcast lends authority to the speaker because it's, it's a voice, Mm. it's a voice in the, in out of the it's ether. a pulpit, isn't it? It is. It really is. But you don't know the person's life. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes. You don't know what kind of a spiritual situation they're in, what's really going on. And I totally agree with what you're saying there. You really have to make sure that you weigh that before you make any judgments because you really have to evaluate the life and doctrine of the person that's speaking to you. Great point. Darren, what are your plans for the next five years? I mean, you got a lot going on. You're leading a church in Tampa. You're doing this. You wrote a book. You've got this website you just rolled out. Where's this all going? (laughs) Great question. Um, Gosh, next five years. I, well, one, we want to put out good content. What we're, we're personally, what we're doing now is is some uh, some articles, some videos. There's links to other places where you can find really good stuff. So just provide good resources and then continually evaluate it, um, pivot if we need to. But we also have um, uh, workshops and I, we plan to host some webinars that are really, really helpful for people. So just do that. Also, what I'd like to do is... Um, What I really want this to be is a collective. So I would like to invite church leaders to participate in this. Some have already written articles. Some are working on articles. I don't want this to be just a, um, um, you know, a Darren website or anything like that. I I, I would love to hear from people if they want to contribute. Please get a hold of me. So I wanted this to grow in a conversation we're all having together. Um. And then um, we do want to wait for it. <laughs> we do want to start a podcast <laughs> <laughs> because um, I, I just we just haven't found the right people to do that yet. But we do we do want that that is a goal. And then um, my ultimate goal, okay. And this is what's important to me because I don't plan on doing this forever. If you look on my my website and you you go to the team, it's a lot of the team is is college students, is young people. What I what I'd really like is to provide something that's really relevant, helps people grow, is is helping them be more resilient and more more grounded scripturally, and then take this and really hand it off to someone in the next generation. And say, you go uh, because it's their voice. It's it's their voice that's going to have to be loudest. It's not. It's not really you and me. I mean, we we've been doing this a long time, and we have a lot of wisdom and knowledge. But it's what I want to do is be able to um, 
to help them launch into something that will be even greater. So those are a few things. Um, I'm still, it doesn't take a ton of my time right now. I'm still just a local minister, which I love doing. But I just want to, my ultimate goal is that we we get stronger. And uh, if you know me and you, you've heard me or read my book, I think I think what I'd like to do is is really just advance a high view of Scripture and help us all to be, um, not see things exactly the same way. That's not what I'm saying, but but um, grow in our our faithfulness to the scriptures as the, the primary and ultimate source of truth in a broken world. So if people go to your website, they don't have to sign a creedal statement or a statement of faith aligning themselves with no. your, your point of view. No, but I will tell, let me say something about that because I did something that a lot of podcasters won't do or sites won't do. I did put a statement of faith on there and here's why. Um, it's risky because people go straight to it and they go, you know what? See, I knew it. This guy, man, or this, this lady or whatever. But I think we owe it to people these days to put statements about our faith and what we think about society's hot topics out there. Um, I really do. So, but you don't have to sign on to that. You could, you could, you could look at my website and I'm sure many people have already and say, I don't agree with this guy at all, and never come back. This is just, we just want you to know, this is how we see things. This is how we are approaching things. This is what we believe about a few of the hot topics. Uh, and I think that's needed. I, You know me, and I've said this before to you, Rob, I think as a, as a church movement um, that used to pride ourselves on, we don't write anything down. We don't have creeds or statements or anything. I think those days are over. Um, if we don't state what we believe about things, I know our members want us to, but if we don't clearly state, and not again, not, not in an alienating way, just like, look, this is where we've landed on this topic. This is what we believe about it. If we don't state that, I think we do a disservice to people because we can say a lot of things, but people need to know this is where we're coming from. So, but to use the site, um, I don't, it doesn't matter. Now to contribute, you might want to look at the statement of faith and, and see if it's something you want to contribute and be a part of, but no, there's no statement. We have a newsletter you can sign up for and we'll just, you know, it, it's very, it's very just, Hey, use it if you can, if you don't want to, then that's totally fine too. Darren, thanks for joining the program. Rob, thanks for, thanks for your friendship and thanks for all you do. God Absolutely. You. All the best to you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it. Secondly, read and review one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find them both on Amazon.com. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.